for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. So Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 first. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Arrhenius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register to the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, which means she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I'll tell you, those, those are the, probably the seven most familiar, eight, yeah, seven most familiar verses in regard to Christmas that we know. That's the Christmas story that Joseph and Mary endured much to get to Bethlehem, to be counted in the census by the government, went through hard times and trials that the King of King, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, the God who breathed all things into existence, Cain was born in a manger in the most lowly of positions is the message we're most familiar with. But there's blessing in that. And I'm not going to waste a lot of time in the introduction today. I'm going to get straight into the blessings of that. In verse 8, it says this, In the same region there were some shepherds stayed, standing out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before him, before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. You think this is an understatement of the year, of the century, of the decade for sure? A couple old shepherds hanging out in the middle of nowhere, and an angel shows up right there in front of them, fully exposing the glory of the Lord, demonstrating the weight of God shown around them, and they were terribly frightened. I'll tell you what terribly frightens me when I go through a four-way intersection realizing that I just run a red light and almost got hit. That's terribly frightening to me. I can't imagine how frightened they must have been to see an angelic being carrying or reflecting the full weight of God out of nowhere, presenting himself to them. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, <laughs> for behold... I bring you good news of great joy, 
which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there was a there has been a has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Let's not get past this. I've been to Jerusalem. It's pretty barren. These shepherds are watching their sheep by night, kind of minding their own business, probably, well, not probably, all of them doing what they've always done, never seeing anything like this before, and a single angel shows up and says, don't freak out. And then a multitude of angels show up. You know what a multitude of angels is? According to the word, it's a myriad of angels. Myriads of angels, in fact, which is thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels show up to accompany this one angel. Which means that probably from horizon to horizon in what otherwise would be a pitch black, dark environment that is the desert, the whole skyline lit up. And they expect him not, they expect them not to be frightened. But let me tell you, they don't have to be frightened because of verse 10. Because there is good news of great joy, which will be for all people. I want you to focus on that. There will be good news. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There is good news coming. Where you were condemned, you are no longer condemned. Where you were at enmity with God, you are no longer at enmity with God. Where you deserve God's wrath, you no longer sit under the penalty of God's wrath. Where you were separated, where you were all of these things, you are no longer any of those things. You are joint heirs with Christ and part of, grafted into, the seed of Abraham. That's the good news of the gospel message. That we were, but God, now we are forever part of his family. So he's saying, don't be afraid because there's good news. And here's what this good news should do for you. This good news should bring you joy. It's an intentional pause because I'm afraid, I, I think I've witnessed that that's not who we are largely. We aren't people of joy largely. We find something to complain about, something to worry about, something else to focus on, some other reason why we should be sad or depressed when in fact the joy of the Lord has been given to us through Christ Jesus. We should be the happiest people on earth. We should be the most joyous people, the most delightful people, the most treasured people, the most pleasurable people, and the greatest people on earth because we have been adopted by God through Christ Jesus. The good news. 
So he says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. This is my first point. For all people. The good news is for everyone. You want to know why you should have joy? Because the good news is for everyone. I want to read this text to you. Galatians 3, 6 through 7 says this. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So essentially, anyone, if anyone belongs, let me back up. It's for anyone who belongs to those who declare the name of Jesus. Joy belongs to anyone who declares the name of Jesus. Therefore, be sure it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You should be people of joy because you have the sons of because you are considered the sons of Abraham. You should be people of joy because you have all the blessings of the sons of Abraham, of the covenant of Abraham. You have been grafted in as a wild branch to the root. You belong just as the Jews belong. All the promises of life and eternity are yours. And because they are yours, because they are ours, we should be people of joy and not be people who are afraid all the time. The church has got to stop being people who are afraid all the time. Well, what happens if this happens? Well, what happens if that happens? What happens if the end of the world comes? Have y'all been reading the book of Revelation? What happens when this happens? Because it looks like it's happening. I encourage you to do this. Be a person of joy. And before you go read the book of Revelation, I want you to read the title for the book of Revelation. The title for the book of Revelation isn't the Revelation. It's the Revelation of Christ Jesus. And if it's the Revelation of Christ Jesus, we should concern ourselves more with what the book of Revelation tells us about how Jesus is our protection, Jesus is our provision, then we are about what the enemy is trying to do because the enemy has no power here. Amen. Amen. And so that should bring us joy. That could cause us people to be people of joy. Not because we're good in of ourselves, but because through this confession that we've made in faith, which is how you were saved by grace, we are sons of Abraham. We've been given access to Christ in faith and have become part of the family of God. Amen. Amen, I said. I want us to smile. There is nothing worse than somebody that says, man, I'm a Christian. God sure has been good to me. Has he? When I walk around mealy mouth, acting like a Christian, talking like a Christian, I should say talking like a Christian, not acting like a Christian, nobody's ever going to want what you have. Why would they want what you have when, when what you have looks so horrible? We should be people of joy because we've been given reason to have joy. We've been given a reason to have joy because we have been given the good news, and that good news is for all people. 
All people. All people. All people. That's right. Matthew, for you, that joy has been given to you. Ronnie, that joy has been given to you. Jack and Michelle, that joy has been given to you. Amen. Steve, that joy has been given to you. Tim, that joy has been given to you. Shauna, that joy has been given to you, and it's good to see you home. I could go on and on. April, that joy has been given to you. Many of us have reasons as to why we don't feel like we should be walking in joy. But we should be walking in joy because the joy of the Lord is on us through the proclamation of the good news. Why do I call people by name? <clears throat> because that's the hardest thing for us to understand. That it's for everyone. It's very easy for me to say, God loves us. God loves this congregation. It's very easy for you to say God loves them. But you know what it's very difficult to say? God loves me. Because you know who you are. The person across the room, you don't know who they are. You know who they want you to believe they are. But God, in all of your mess, in all of your craziness, and all the sin that you've committed, and all the sin that you've committed since the day you gave your life to the Lord, He is still good news to you. He still desires to bring you joy and will bring you joy regardless of what you've done if you live in a constant state of repentance because He is faithful to forgive and restore us back to righteousness. That's what the Word of God says. And for that reason, ladies and gentlemen, we have the right to hold on to our joy. Be people of joy. Not just when things are going well for you, not when things are going great for you, but when things are seem to be the absolute worst for you. It doesn't matter. Be a person of joy because whatever it is you're dealing with, you're not going to be dealing with 10,000 years from now. But you will be forever in the presence of the Most High King. And that should bring us joy. That should bring us joy. Amen? Y'all smell what I'm stepping in? It's so important. Jesus Christ died so that we might have joy. Jesus Christ died so that we might have life abundantly. That's not just life abundantly sometime in eternity. That's life abundantly right now. Do you know how we have life abundantly right now? Because we don't allow our joy to be disturbed by our circumstances. And so we're able to live the life that Jesus Christ died for us. Our eternity started the day we gave our life to the Lord. And so we have the ability to walk in who we are the day we give our life to the Lord, which should include people of joy, people of hope, and people of peace. That's what Jesus Christ came to give us. That's why we celebrate the season, not just a day. 
That's the reason we celebrate all day, every day, all year, every year, because there's a good news that brings joy for all people. You know how I know it's for all people? I know it's for all people because he presented himself to shepherds first. The lowliest of the low. He's the king. He didn't have to be born in a manger or a barn or even a relatively nice house. He could have literally breathed into existence the greatest mansion that's ever existed on the face of the earth, surrounded himself with a thousand ministering spirits that is angels to take care of him, but he didn't. He wanted to come here to show that he is humble, that he is here to serve, and that even the smallest of these matter. That's why he started with the shepherd. The shepherd was considered dirty, outcast. They, they weren't looked well upon by, by society because they were always out in the field. They had to always be out in the field so as not to lose the sheep, which means sometimes they missed temple worship, which would have caused them to be unclean in the first place. And anything unclean can't be in the presence of God except for God showed up and God said, guess what? I want to be in your presence and I want you in, our, in my presence. That's the God we serve. He sees the dirt on us. He sees the filth on us. He sees the wretchedness in us. And he said, I don't care about that. What I care about is that you accept who I am, that you come see me where I am so that I can impart to you who I am and so that you may have what I have. Man, that's good. That's good preaching right there. That should bring us joy. I'm not just talking at y'all to talk at you. Do you know I got two hours of sleep last night? Ish. Probably less. But I got up and I came in here because I want you to understand that there is joy in Christ Jesus. And that joy is for you. Call yourself by name and say that joy is for me. I know I'm repeating myself. I sound like a broken record. But its I know how easy it is to say, God loves them. I get that. But he doesn't know what I've done. He knows exactly what I've done. He knows. He knows exactly what I've done. And the sin that I've committed. He knows that I'm divorced. And that I was divorced before I knew him. He knows that I have a daughter that because of some decisions that I made won't talk to me anymore. He knows that I was a drunkard. He knows that I was a whoremonger. He knows that I over and over and over again threw everything I had away for the chasing of pleasure and fleshly gain. But you know what he didn't care about? He didn't care about any of those things. Because in 2006, Cornerstone Church, I could point to the seat if I was in that room. And that room has 2,700 seats in it. 
the Holy Spirit visited me, turned my world and my heart completely upside down and turned me from the Jim Cubic that I was into a new creation. And that is joy. And he can do and will do the same thing for you. You say, well, he's already done the same thing for me, but I still struggle. You still struggle because you don't understand the depth of what he's done for you. Did you know you can accept him in faith? but still not have a full understanding of what he's done for you? That's the reason why we move from glory to glory to glory, so that we can understand more and more and more and have greater and greater revelation of what he's accomplished on our behalf. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm looking for that next glory. And then I'm going to look for the next glory. And then I'm going to look for the next glory. Because I don't think I can outdo God, and I certainly can't catch up with him. And that brings me joy. Does that bring you joy? It should. It sure should. But he presented himself to the shepherds because the good news is for everyone. Why? Mark 2.17 says it simply as I can say it. It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Why would Jesus come for the righteous? Are there any righteous among us without Jesus? No. What does the Bible say? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean some. That doesn't mean most. That means all, both by birth and by nature. We deserve condemnation. But we didn't get condemnation because Jesus didn't come after the righteous. He came after the sick. He came after the sinner. That's why the Pharisees were always on him all the time. Well, you're eating with sinners. Well, you're spending time with sinners. Well, you're doing this and you're doing that. That's right. You want to know why Jesus did that? So that we could have joy no matter who we used to be, knowing that we now belong to him. Man, the gospel message is a message of joy to those who hear it. I was, but God, now I am something completely different. And that something completely different ought to include my personality, which means I should be a person of joy. Woo, somebody better come on. John 3.16 says this. It says, it's good news. It's been made, been made available to us. And to everyone who confesses Christ will receive life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Joy. There's four reasons here that I can count to have joy. Maybe five. For God so loved the world do you know God didn't have to love us? God could have made us. We could have messed up because he created us. He has creative license over us, and with creative license over us, he could have destroyed us and been answerable to nobody. I used to build furniture for, a, for fun. I built a kitchen table. If I decided to take that kitchen table into my backyard and burn it, nobody could say anything. It belonged to me. So he could have destroyed us, but didn't. 
he decided to love the world instead. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. He didn't just love, he sacrificially loved. And he didn't just sacrifice something he liked, he sacrificed the thing he loved the most, which was his son. You want to know what your value is? Your value is based on the value that was paid for you. Because if I gave you $5 for this candle, this candle's worth five bucks. But if one of you decided to give me $500 for this candle, guess what this candle's worth? 500 bucks. So the value of something is relative to what's willing to be paid for it. God was willing to pay the blood of his son Jesus because he thought you were that valuable. You are the most valuable commodity in the universal market because the most expensive price was paid for you. And that ought to bring you joy. Does everybody understand what I'm saying by that? That ought to bring you joy. Because we were worth nothing until God made us worth everything. All so that we could have eternal life and not condemnation. Joy. I'm talking about joy today. And James 2 and 5 says, Listen, my brethren, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who loved him? So he didn't just save us and give us everlasting life. He chose us to make us rich in faith, heirs to the kingdom of God, and he promised it to those who love him. Do you love him? It's an answer we should be able to give even if the answer is no, so at least you know where you stand. But if your answer is yes, then we have been made rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom of God. What does that even mean? Who knows what the depth, width, breadth, and height of the heir of the kingdom is? It's more than I can wrap my head around. It's more than I can fathom. It's more than probably riches than I've ever seen, both spiritual and physical. And that should bring me joy. Why? Because I didn't even have to do anything for it except for declare Jesus Christ as Lord, believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Ooh, my heart's beating fast. Because I'm joyful. We all need a message of joy from time to time to realize that the ditch that we're in ain't the ditch that we, we have to stay in because God died to pull us out of that ditch. Be people of joy. Mm. And then finally, number three. I'm sorry. Finally, number two, or four, whatever number I'm on. I don't know. Finally, number two, the good news should change us. I want to read verse 20 to you. The shepherds went back 
They went back to their field, I'm assuming. Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. In verse 15, it says, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made no dust. So they went. And in their leaving, they were different. The shepherd went back, glorifying and praising God. You know what glorifying means? Y'all remember in the book of Exodus where Moses asked God, show me your glory? What did God tell him? He said, I can't do that. It'll kill you. Do you know why? Because in asking for his glory, he was asking to see the full measure of who he was. God said, I can't do that, but I can give you what little bit your finite mind can comprehend without killing you. And if you pay attention to that, I'll give you a little bigger piece. And if you pay a little better attention to that, I'll give you a bigger piece and a bigger piece and a bigger piece. And he's so huge, we'll never get to the end of all the pieces. But they left there glorifying God, giving him the full weight of what their minds can comprehend and praising him for what he's done. And like them, and the point I'm making in this last point, is we have to leave better than we came. They were just, yeah, let's go see. But they left, giving him his full weight and praising him because they've seen that what they were told was true.